Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Mo Show. Um, it's uh, it gives me great pleasure today to introduce my uh, cousin Dania Agil. She's Saudi Arabia's first superbike rider, and um, welcome to the Mo Show. Thank you. How are you? Alhamdulillah, happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a first as far as I'm concerned on a girl getting on a superbike in Saudi Arabia. How did it all happen? Mm, um, superbike. I'll tell you about the first time I rode a bike. Um, bicycle. Bicycle. I was four. Mm-hmm. Did pretty well. That's where it started. It was pink. I had the tassels. I think it was made by Barbie. Mm-hmm. White wheels. Really cool bike. Wow. With the little <laughs> strings on the. The tassels. Ba- yeah, multicolored. Ba- basket in the middle. Really nice. <laughs> Your packed was lunch. Was there a basket? I can't remember a basket. But it was good. I know Rana, my sister, we first learned to ride bikes in uh, the garden at home. Okay. I think we were like four and five. Um, bus and I used to play with those um, battery cars, mm. battery stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I got a bit older. I think I was 10. And I went with uh, Baba to Toys R Us. And they had a go-kart there. And it was the first time I saw a car that I could drive that was an actual car that used petrol. Incredible. And I still remember it cost 5,000 yen. Well, this was in Jeddah, yeah? <laughs> in Jeddah. <laughs> so it put it in the category of not being a toy. Okay. Petrol, four digits. Yeah. It was like a no-go yeah. on every level, I think, from my mom. Mm-hmm. But my dad really likes cars. He likes to race. Yeah, nothing like... So you get it from your dad, is it? Your uh, your petrol headness? I think I get it from my dad. Yeah, he's into cars. He's uh, into I cars. remember having a conversation with him and he's so, well into oh. cars. Yeah, he, he's very knowledgeable as well on the subject. Yeah, he loves them. Yeah. Um, so I was learning about suspensions and tires and F1 and drivers and corners and all of that um, subconsciously mm-hmm. for years. So we bought this go-kart. Rather, he bought this go-kart. And it, was and a, it was a petrol it engine. It was a petrol That's engine. Incredible. And I loved that. I can't remember the CC. Maybe it was about 50. I don't okay. know. But it was great. And mm. it had those bars, you know, like a racing cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The roll cage. Yeah. And yeah. I used to take it to the beach and just play with it on the on the ground and then on the sand and then obviously get stuck in the sand. And when I'd get tired and it was sunny and all that, I'd go inside and I'd say, I'm bored. And mom would say, go play with your car. You know? <laughs> with pleasure. Yeah. But um, that was it, really. We used to go go-karting in the summer in the UK. Um, and I used to get really competitive, um, very competitive with people like my cousins, my mm. brother, my dad even. And when I beat him, he would uh, get mad and he would say, it's because I'm so much heavier than you and you're so light, you're a kid. It's what what age was this when, when you beat him? Maybe 12, 13. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I was lighter than him. Still, still young, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and he could have still blocked me on the corners. You yeah, know? no, you, you understood the track, I think, at that age better than him. <laughs> I didn't really know fun. this about you, though. I never knew. I, I, I've known you all my life, but I never knew that you were uh, in, into cars slash bikes and, and, until, you know, you recently getting involved in the world of super mm. bikes. I didn't really think about it. It wasn't like a thing that I identified with. I like cars. I like bikes. I just liked them. I rode them. I played with them whenever I could. Before I had a license, I would get into my grandfather's car and play with the buttons and all that. And everybody would scream and yell, oh, no, get out, get out. <laughs> and I'm like, what's wrong with them? I know how it, how it works. I'm not going to drive it. But yeah, uh, when you're a kid. You yeah. Know. Yeah. You know, you just want to you want to get out there. I would imagine that your sister is, is, is not cut from the same cloth in terms of being into cars and bikes. Uh, just because you know her. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I am. I am making a wicked assumption here. I'm so sorry. I don't know. <laughs> She's not. But 
Um, she doesn't drive often, but it could be because I always used to want to drive. So that kind of, um, mm. she just let it happen. Yeah. And she's always lived in uh, cities like London, Geneva. She doesn't really need to drive. Okay. For me, I got my license when I was 17 when I was still in boarding school. Mm. Eager so, to, to get on the road, surely. Yeah, soon. Actually, I applied for my provisional license uh, for it to arrive on my 17th birthday. All right. So I actually applied three days before, mm-hmm. calculating the post time. So on my 17th birthday, True I had petrol my, head. Yeah, on my 17th, I had my first driving lesson. Uh, the teacher came to the school I was in in the UK. That was it, halas. And then uh, a few months later, I had my license, and I got a Mini Cooper, and I used to drive it to school. Sure. So in the beginning, their sales, for me personally, this is not based on any fact or research. It's just it was a nice symbol. It was a product. It was good looking. It was convenient. Yeah. But then you know, novelty wears off, right? And aesthetics can only uh, last so long. So then it becomes about other elements. Yeah. Is it the most efficient on the road in terms of fuel? Is it uh, the most engaging in terms of power? Is it? Is it? Weight. Yeah. You know, weight's everything. You can have a 500 horsepower car, but if it weighs two tons, it's not really going to do much. Exactly. You can have a lot more fun with a 250 horsepower car that weighs under a ton, mm. uh, like uh, like an Evo. My friend Mashur was talking about the other day. I think you'd have a lot of fun in a car like that. You know, a really light car, mid-engine, manual. Definitely. I'd, I mean, I'd like to get into a car with you, uh, driving manual. I want to see how you, uh, how, we'll you ha- how you operate. But look, <clears> I've <throat> had as much fun on a Vespa as I've had on a Ducati. Uh, Come on. You know, 11.9 really, or whatever, huh? 8.959. Yeah, yeah, because it's all about context. Yeah. You know, you got to appreciate every product for what it is. So I rented a Fiat 500 once and it was manual and going up the mountains. Because I knew how tough it was on the car. I felt like I was in a battle. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. so engaging. Yeah, yeah. And I've driven a 458 Ferrari on the same mountain. Yeah. And that was really fun too. What was funner? Um, honestly, mm. they both had their perks. Okay. Like, and also, I can't appreciate Ferrari without a Fiat. Again, it's just reference. Yeah. You know, how do you know that that's what it is without knowing mm-hmm. what it isn't? Yeah. Same company? Yeah. yeah. Fiat Group. Um, I, th- th- that's amazing. It's funny how a car that costs a fraction of, you know, one of the more expensive cars in the world can give you that same, you know, feeling of, of enjoyment. Because uh, you look for different things. You know, I mean, I sit with one of my friends who is really funny and then I'll mm-hmm. sit with another friend who is really sweet and compassionate. And I love sitting with both of them, yeah, but in, not for the same reasons. In doses, I guess, you know. One day you're going to want you, this guy, one day you're going to want one day you're going to want neither. You get everything you need at the right time. Yeah. So when I got the Fiat... I was, um, I was like 19 or 20. I was a bit reckless. I pushed limits way beyond um, what I should have. And I don't think I would have done well if I had a 458 Ferrari in my hands. Thank God you didn't. Four years later, I had the Ferrari in my hands. So you get everything. It wasn't mine. It was my cousin's. But um, my point is you get everything at the time that you need it. And yeah. you get all the lessons when you need them, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So you need the Fiat sometimes. So switching gears, uh, Dania. So you, you, uh, the, the whole superbike world that you entered started as recently as what two years? Would you say? So the first time I got on the track was March 2019. March 2019, a year and a half, a ago. And a half ago. All right. And it, yeah, it was because I went to I moved to Dubai and I went to the Ducati showroom to get a bike. And um, I really liked the 959, the Panigales, the superbikes. Beautiful. Before that, I had only been on street bikes. I had rented superbikes before, but I hadn't owned one. And the uh, guys at the showroom told me, try this bike on the track. So it was March, and I took it to the track. And uh, yeah, that was the first time. Uh, and it was a case of, okay, this is what I want to do now. 
um, career-wise? Mm, no. When you didn't get that No, that I hit? still don't have that. So I do things very much in the moment. So because I went to see a bike, someone said that, you know, she go to the track. I went to the track. Mm-hmm. While I was at the track, I went again because it was another track day. And then I eventually bought the bike and I kept going to the track. And then, you know, I'd see the racers. I saw the racing bikes. Uh, people would tell me about the license, about the championship. So everything was incremental. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a long thought process or I didn't have, you know, a long-term vision. I just do things as they feel good. You if know, it feels, it good, feels you'll, good, you'll, I do it. Do. What's the next step if yeah. it doesn't? I just turn around, you know, go to whatever else is, is yeah. attracting yeah. me. So you got the bike, you went to the autodrome, you know, you took it for mm-hmm. a few laps. Um, and, and then what was the next step? Did you enter a championship, a league? What do they call it? So they have, so they have a season in Dubai that's called the UAE National Sports Bike Super Series. And it starts usually in November. So I joined in March, which is just the track days, nothing yeah. official. Just uh, you rent your bike and you go. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up getting the license in September because the season was coming up and I had decided to race. To be honest, when I saw the bikes, the racing bikes in the showroom back in March, I had a feeling that I would do it. Mm-hmm. I just saw them and I just, uh, sometimes you just know. You know, yeah. yeah. If it feels good, you know, you'll, you'll do it. Yeah, so by September, I was taking the tests and I, uh, I joined the season and I started in November and I finished in February. I finished uh, early because I had an accident. I couldn't finish the series. Uh, so I missed the last two races. Um, but I still managed to uh, achieve my goal which was to get the rookie of the year award so i was happy fantastic <laughs> were there other females in the league as well there was a russian girl um katerina she's really nice yeah. but, uh, but she you... was in a different class so there's three classes on the grid for the uae series there's a super sport super stock and the ducati cup so i was in the ducati one mm-hmm. um and it was great she, so katerina was in the super stock which are the 600 cc bikes mm-hmm. the ducati cup are all 959 uh, Panigales and it's sponsored by Milwaukee and they all have the same bike. that's the 1000 tier yeah not in 950 so, CC. so yeah. a bit more powerful um, so that was uh, that was Dubai and then you mentioned something about a stint in, in Bahrain over there yeah so know. I kind of did it simultaneously so I did my first race in Dubai in November and it was a lot of fun and I felt when I came off the track they asked me how was it I said you know that game Mario Kart I felt like I was one of the carts you know obviously without the banana peels but it was so much fun thankfully so good and uh whenever i'd see people buzzing around me i just get so excited yeah um unless they got were they close. shocked did they have uh, were they curious to know where you're from and then when you told them where you're from did they like did their ears perk up they were all really nice i did have a name that was uh the saudi girl okay so but everybody was really nice. fitting everybody. um uh, no other GCC females there. I'm just this intrigues me because it's a very mm-hmm. male. Forgive my ignorance. It's it's a male dominant sport. It's a male dominant sport in our region specifically. Um, actually, went to racing school in Feb and January. There was a girl there who's German who was planning to compete in the world so uh, world superbike. Oh, so yeah, generally it is male dominated. Yeah. But um, there is a women's GP. I did a bit of research on MotoGP, and I know that there's a women's. I actually don't watch uh, GP. You don't. <laughs> is it because it's just way too in- intense? You want World Superbikes, which is more along the lines of the bikes that you can buy on a retail mm, level. I don't watch World Superbike either. I don't like 
to watch TV too much, by the way. I just, I get a bit bored. That's crazy. <laughs> because I know people that watch World Superbikes and MotoGP and they're constantly watching it, but they've never been on a track day. It's funny that you're, the, you're quite the opposite of that. Maybe because I get on the bike, I feel stimulated I enough that I don't want to watch yeah. it. I don't know. I mean, it is interesting and, and people send me videos here and there and I see nice overtakes and I can appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I used to like watching F1 with uh, Baba when I was young. It was fun. Um, sometimes I watch it now, especially after that Netflix show came out. Yeah. Um, Apex something and, uh, Formula One Drive to Survive it's good okay but still oh, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. such a TV uh, oriented person yeah. um, you like being out there you know in, in, yeah, in the flesh yeah I doing you know? things physically. because if you're on a bike then I don't think anything else can compare to it watching it on TV is, is nonsense compared to being on you know leaning on that tank with your knee on the ground taking a, a long ride yeah but again it's different because uh, the TV has its own perk. It's like the MotoGP video game. When I had an accident last year, everybody told me play the game because um, it's good for your mental stimulation. You know how you visualize winning or you visualize overtaking and it actually has an impact on when you do it physically. It's very true. So from that aspect, it's beneficial. And I probably would perform better if I spent a bit more time on the screen than doing everything in real life. Because in real life, you can't see yourself from an external view. You know, so it's just first person all the time. So it has its perks. I just... It's not for you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I appreciate that big time. <clears throat> um, family, how did they take it when they found out you were, well, essentially racing? My family has a great uh, way of letting you figure yourself out and letting you make your own mistakes or even achieve this. Yeah, neither. And also, I mean, by the time I had reached the track, I was 30. So there's a limit on how you know much you can restrain somebody who's got their own ideas and who's just gonna do it and then you'll find out after she's done it you know that's what i did and i didn't do it intentionally um i'm very open i'm very relaxed i'm very casual about it so i'll say i went to the track it was nice but not because i'm presenting them with information about my life and i need them to approve or yeah, guide or deny yeah. no it's just because it happened and we're sitting and we're talking and i'm telling you about what happened so it's not really a may I, can I situation, although I really appreciate their advice and direction, and I probably wouldn't have done anything without all the help that they gave me to raise me and yeah. to guide me. Yeah. But then at a certain age, you just have your own uh, accountability, your own responsibility. There's no way that I can give my parents uh, responsibility for the decisions I make today. I don't think it's fair for them. Yeah. I, lo I love the headspace that you're in. Is that correct? terminology mm -hmm. like I, I like where your head's at because no because i mean you you um you speak about things in a um, theoretical or like you know it's 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 black or white you know you're not like mm, should i should i not if i want to do it i do it if i don't want to do it i don't do it and honestly i don't think anything is black and white except decision points because a circumstance is never black and white and it's always subject to your own perception and you and i will see things differently the only point when it does become a yes or no is when you're deciding whether to take action or how to take action. But before that, it's very gray mm. and there's a lot of deliberation and there's a lot of internal investigation. And then you decide, right? That's how it is. I don't like to live in limbo because I did that for a long time. For after university, I lived in limbo for a good five, six years. Mm. And I realized actually, as the years went on, not much was happening. And Eventually, I figured out it was because I wasn't making any decisions or taking any action. I was always kind of considering, imagining, um, 
thinking nothing was actually happening yeah. i started just to live in the cloud yeah yeah and then uh, when it's something more concrete i guess yeah and then yeah. and then i started to make decisions and take action take risks uh calculated ones and everybody has a different risk appetite so i don't condone my uh process i'm just saying there has to be an action point at some stage yeah. very articulate by the way thanks yeah mashallah <laughs> do you ride on the street yes i do in saudi i have done I don't own a bike at this moment in time. I'm scared on the street with four wheels. You know what it is? Um, I So when I got my license to drive in Jeddah, I got it the same week that they were giving them out because I booked my appointment in advance. And Anyway, so I told myself if I'm going to enjoy driving as much as I, as I do in this town, I need to have zero expectation of what might happen on the road. So like when I drive, there's no template of an order that I expect. It's almost just anything can happen at any moment. And because I have that psychology, I'm never annoyed because, yeah, he cut, he didn't signal. Yeah, she took ages to U-turn. Yes, I don't know who did what. It's not my business, yeah. you know, so I just kind of maneuver around it. And I tell people it's actually really good practice for racing yeah. because you've got to be expect alert. Anything, expect anything. Anything can happen yeah. at any point. I say that. I say because truth be told, the driving in, in, in Jeddah can uh, can be very daunting. You know, it's um, it can raise your blood pressure. It's it's pretty much awful. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I have a good time. I with with the way I've aged and, 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 and you know, you know, approaching it you know, from a more p- mature standpoint, um, I try to let it bother me less. Um, because there's just no point uh, to, to get worked about to work to get worked up about something that you have no control just, over. Just gotta let go of how you think it should be, and just let it be what it is. And then you're just gonna have a nice time. The radio is great. I have a good playlist. That's yeah. very, very wise and mature. <laughs> and uh, again, going back to how impressed I am with you as a person, um, I can also add that element to it. You have taught me that yes, you know, you know, concentrate on the radio. It's a beautiful day. It's not raining, you know, we've got things that people around the world wish for, being that the sun is shining every day. I mean, none of that would work if you still were trying to fight what you think should be happening. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't, I don't convince, some of my friends think I lie to myself to to be in a good mood. That's not the case. It's actually dropping um, my own rules Mm -hmm. for what should be happening around me. Yeah. I think you are the 1%. Uh, as far as attitude is concerned, I read a lot of books. Chose. It. It chose. I think that's where you get your uh, uh, articulousness from. You think? Yeah, I might have just made up that word. Maybe. Um, <clears throat> right on the street, that scares me. Um, I know that uh, you suffered uh, a, a bit of a, I mean, I don't want to say horrific, but it was a bad accident. It was a serious accident. Um, how did that happen? You said it wasn't a high side, thank God. Yeah, it, was it was a wasn't. low side crash. That was the first question your brother asked me when he called me. He said, Alhamdulillah, salama, was it a high side? No, it wasn't. Can you explain to people what a high side is? So high side is when you, uh, let's say you're turning and then you fall off a bike, but you don't fall on the direction that you're leaning. You fall on the opposite side, so you fly over. Almost it. like a slingshot. It slingshots like you a over. slingshot. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it happened in Bahrain. So actually, yeah, we were going to talk about Bahrain. Yeah, we moved. Yeah. Um, so I went to Bahrain in December because the Saudi racer, Ahmed Al-Ma'ani, was a champion, amazing guy told me, why don't you come check out the championship in Bahrain? I'm going to race uh, this round. It's in December, and we don't have any races in UAE. 
I said, yeah, I'll do it. Great. I'll come watch. And then he looks at me. I was so keen. He said, I have an extra bike. Do you want to race? I said, yes, of course. I'd love to race. I personally believe that I need to learn how to be on any track, on any bike and learn how to deal with that. Because if I get too specific to Bay Autodrome, Ducati 959, and these are my comfort, you know, factors that I need to have to race, then I'm not really a racer. I'm just somebody who races in Dubai on a a Ducati. So when he told me Kawasaki ZX-6R, Bahrain Oasis track, I said, unknown, 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 yeah, let's do it. You know, because at the end of the day to race, what do you need? You need your eyes, you need your body, you need the tarmac, you need the machine, and you can go. Other layers are just specifics. And you need to learn how to adapt to those details to become an agile and better driver. You know, if you get stuck to the same elements, you limit yourself. So I went, I raced, it was a great time, had a blast. So a couple of rounds later, um, I told them I'm joining the season in Bahrain. So it was alternate, alternate days from UAE. So this particular weekend in Feb, we had a race in Bahrain, the next day Emirat. So I went to Bahrain and uh, was on a ZX-6R again, I think, Kawasaki, I think. Yeah. And um, belonged to a racing team called MSK in Bahrain. By, mm-hmm. uh, it's owned by Mohamed Al-Khalifa. It's, it's, it's a fun team. They have like six, seven bikes and they race on the grid. Uh, with the Saudi against the Saudis as well, they have like three, four bikes. So we were in the practice session, and I had my GoPro on the seat, but I didn't hit record because it was a practice session. I wanted to save it for the race. Perfect. So I just got back from racing school in Spain, where I was there for a week. But in Spain, I was on a 1,000 cc bike. I had a great time. Yamaha R1 it was a blast, and then I had a BMW as well, the R. Anyway, so when I get to Bahrain, it's a 600 cc, and. I didn't factor in that shift in power, I think, which is what contributed to my fall. So I I get onto the track, I did a few rounds, I was doing well, and I just take the last uh, left corner, it's really tight, really small. I wanted to pick up the bike and go on the straight, and I was just too, uh, there was no power for it to pick me up. I leaned it too much, and I just slid. That was it. I was on the ground. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I think the bike hit my body because I broke three bones in my pelvis and a fracture in my spine. But uh, I landed uh, like on my face and I just, I knew I couldn't move. So I was just breathing, breathing, breathing. And then I'm just kind of in and out. And then I remember I was in the ambulance and I was in a good mood um, because I don't know why. Maybe it was adrenaline or whatever. And I also didn't know what had happened yet. So I was just maintaining a, 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 sta- a positive stance or whatever. So I told myself, don't think about the result because you don't know what it is, yeah. right? And if you're scared, you can imagine the worst. So I was just talking to the paramedics and I was like, what's your name? And then uh, he would tell me, and then I'd ask him a couple minutes later, was your name this? And I'd tell him, you know, I'm checking my brain, works fine. I was like, it's a good sign, right? Because I knew I smashed the helmet. That's a really good wherewithal mm. under the circumstances you know, for you to like test yourself. Yeah, I asked him his birthday. Okay, and know. then you check in with him again check to see if you could recall again. the information he gave yeah, you. Yeah, and then I was moving my toes and I looked at them. Look, look, my toes are moving. Yeah. Is, this, is, this, is this a good thing, right? And Because I knew I couldn't walk. And they said, uh, yeah, yeah. They didn't want to give me too much information because they yeah, didn't know either. They don't know, yeah. But they were nice, very smiley. Yeah. They, they really laughed when I was trying to test mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, did you guys have any tests for me? Wallah salamtik. How long did it take till you, have you got, on, you got on a bike since? Yeah, yeah, I got on a bike. How many um, months after did you feel comfortable? So the crash happened February 21st. Um, I got on a bike in May. Okay. 
Not bad. End of May. Three months? Three months. That's that's not bad at it all. It was a hardy though. Okay. It was in a super, it's a yeah. nice bike. Yeah. Um but it's metal. Yeah, I'm sure you wanted to get back on the proverbial horse, you know, as soon as you can. Yeah, and I feel like I said with the Fiat that mm-hmm. everything has its you fix that for time. You know, so with the Harley it Ooh, was yeah. perfect. Okay. It's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean there's only so fast you can go on a Harley and uh it's it's just it was the perfect mm. um remedy. Yeah. And then I got on a Ducati a couple of months after that. And that was really, really fun. Were you okay getting on the way? Were you like worried, taking turns maybe a little slower? Or was it the I mean, good old Daniel? No, I mean, I was riding differently because I was on the street. Yeah. So that whole factor, yeah, I mean, that's a completely different way of riding. You mm-hmm. can't just go and press and turn and I don't know. Of course. So it was, it was uh, yeah, it was calculated. It was... Um, very conscious, very aware, mm-hmm. um, but I felt joy. So it's good. Mm-hmm. Amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so that's uh, your history with uh, motorcycles and superbikes. I wanted to ask you about cars because uh, you came on a trip with us two weeks ago to Taif. That's fun. And uh, you can drive, mashallah. What is your favorite car that you've either ever driven or not driven? That's I, I, I have no answer you for don't? that. Because... I like I, I like to drive, you know, and if I'm with my sister and my cousins and we're going skiing and we want to go up a mountain, I want the biggest SUV that can take us so okay. we all have breathing space. So horses, you know? horses for courses. If I'm alone and, you know, it's a different situation, I'm going to ask for a completely different thing. But um, I like driving. I yeah. really do. I, I like, I mean, the most basic things. So I appreciate supercars, but for some reason, I don't like Lamborghinis. I really don't know why. I want to fire away uh, a couple generic questions uh, at you uh, just to get the people to get to know you better. Okay. Um, so we're going to pivot off uh, the track for a minute sure. um, or maybe longer, if you don't mind. Don't mind. <clears throat> um, Dania, I, I played this game with Raha a few days ago, so uh, I want to fire them at you and see, uh, and see how you tackle them. A moment you'll never forget. The moment you start hating these questions, just tell me. You know what it is about questions like this? Yeah. I don't hate them. I just find it difficult to limit things. Okay. You know? yeah, Best then, moment ever. Yeah, then screw it. So then screw many. it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Screw it. This you must know? be like nails on a chalkboard for you. This is hard. <laughs> then this is going to be worse for you. I mean, like when we went to Shefa, that was a great moment. That was great. First time I went uh, off-piste in Hadi uh, skiing in Verbier and I saw all of the just untouched powder. Mm. Incredible moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to Cape Town and uh, I could see the whales yeah, from the air. Too many. Things like that. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's switch super bike gears. <laughs> Book or movie? I feel like you don't like my answers. You need to. They're you, always complex. You need. <laughs> you need to like strike from the hip. You need to just. I like pop. reading. I like reading. reading yeah. I, I like watching movies though. I do. I love the cinema. So, so would you read and then watch the movies? Isn't that the way to do it for those who have patience? Um, I mean, I've watched all the Harry Potter movies. Okay. Um, just because I love the story so much, but it doesn't compare to the books. Um, so That's I'll one do thing both. I've never watched, and I, and I and I don't even see myself the ever books? watching anything to do with Harry Potter. The books? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, the closest I've been to Harry Potter was getting on the Harry Potter ride in Universal Studios. <laughs> That's about it. It's, My wife loves genius. the fantasy uh, genre. I have always been more into the action and car chases and the Denzel Washingtons. Yeah, I mean, I like those two. I just respect her so much for 
being able to create an entire universe. Can absolutely respect that. So complex. The imagination that goes into yeah. that. It's profound. And you know, I went to the exhibition of Harry Potter in the British Library in London. You would. Okay? You would. It did. And I went alone, obviously. I had an extra ticket, but I couldn't <coughs> find anybody that wanted to come. Okay. So I went. And I'm glad I did because I saw all the research that J.K. Rowling had done to write the book. So there was all this sociology stuff. There was all this old school chemistry that she used actual um, chemical discoveries to reference in their science classes in the Come book yeah, and she was so detailed wow you know that's crazy so detailed so much has gone into that so much went into it and when i left the exhibition i said okay do you know what now i know why she's richer than the queen because it's there's substance there's depth it's not just a guy waving a wand i mean she went into latin thinking what are the most sensical spell yeah. names for yeah. this particular action yeah, it was good. That's crazy. Is she richer than the, than the queen? I, I think I read that once. I don't know if it's yeah. true or not, but no, she sold enough copies, I think, uh, to make that believable. Call or text? Mm, call. I text usually just to make plans. So logistics. I rarely have a conversation by text message. Okay, mostly call. Yeah. Bike or car? <laughs> All in each in its own time, you know. Hairpin or home straight? It's like endurance and sprint, both. It's a mental workout for you, huh? <clears throat> beach, or, beach or mountain? You just gotta have both. I need, I need you. You have two seconds to answer from now on, okay? Um, I'll take a mountain because the mountain can also have heat sometimes. Nice. You can also snowboard down it. So beautiful. Yeah. House or hip hop? Good. I like this. I like this pace. Probably hip hop. Nice. New York or London? I mean, I lived in London for so long. But I like New York. <laughs> I can see why my sister said, get Dania on. <laughs> um, city or suburbs? Depends on my uh, chapter in life. Very good answer. I can't limit my You're in answers. the middle. I just can't do yes or no. Comedy or horror? Oh, not horror. Comedy. Go out or Apple TV and chill? No, both. Mix. Um... What advice are you glad you never listened to? So when I had an accident, I got a lot of advice on don't move, don't do this. I live with my grandmother, my mom's mom. So she's over 18. She's the sweetest person she in the is, world. She is, indeed. And um, she said, you know, when, when I came back, I was in a chair and uh, she had that automatic chair that goes up the stairs. Mm -hmm. She said, stay upstairs, don't move, we'll bring everything to the room. I said, no way, I have to move all the time because uh, the blood flow will help with the heating so every day she would just watch me you know try to move everything would take hours you know i'd wake up at seven i'd be down for breakfast by 11 things like that and uh, she kept fighting me all the time not to move and i would tell her i'm so sorry i really can't listen to you because it's not it's not the way i want to do yeah, it yeah. you know after a few days she told me look i'm sorry that i was always um telling you not to to move but that was that was good. That was advice that I understand. She told me, I'm just afraid that you'll hurt yourself. And I understand it. And it's good advice if you're worried that it might get worse. But I also knew that uh, I, should, I didn't need to follow it. Yeah. I would go into the pool, uh, would do things. Excellent. Yeah. The, the pool for rehab. Yeah. But by the time I would get there, it took me a good two hours. Come on. <laughs> I need maybe an hour. Yeah. So I would really have to factor wow. in all of that. Yeah. Okay. That's um, but that was advice I did have to ignore. Yeah. Not easy.
Yeah. I mean, you know your body more than anyone else. So if uh, if you feel you can do something, then... Uh... The doctor said, they said, don't put weight on your legs, uh, especially the left side because of the spine, but the right one, you, you can after Stronger. a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I listened to that. I yeah. mean, I looked at the scan. They, they looked at the scans. They're the professionals, and they told me it's fine. Yeah. The Hina friends and family are going to have a different view because it's emotionally based. It's not medical. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't have done that unless the doctors had cleared it. Exactly. And then that, psychologically, that puts you in a comfortable place to proceed and, and, and do what yeah. they said. And I always like to get my advice from the professionals. Yes, you know? of course. If somebody calls me to ask me my, uh, what should I do? I have an issue here with the bank. I would say, call the bank. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah, but you <laughs> know, you, meticulous. But you yeah. went through it. I said, uh, yeah, but uh, things change all the time. So I don't feel qualified to yeah. be your source of uh, support right now. You need to call the entity. Yeah. So that's the same with my advice. When people give me advice, I'll take it from the sources that I feel are relevant. Mm-hmm. Well put. With all due respect. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the way you should advice. operate. Yeah. Because if you don't, then you're going to hear a, a bunch of BS that's going to be this, you know, the cause of uh, an if, error. Even if it's accurate <clears throat> and it, they mean well and they're correct, yeah. um, it's just a bit risky. Yeah, you know? for sure. A note to, a note to 10-year-old Dania mm. would say, Just learn how to express yourself with less aggression. People will listen better. Uh, have you been labeled as an aggressor? Only by my very immediate family. My sister Dana, my parents. <laughs> you seem so chilled. Yanni, I, th- I thought I was. We all have our days. I think I was just, it's just, you know, when you have energy and you just don't know how to vocalize yeah. and you really feel strongly. That's when, that's when you need um, a track. It can be a bit... Um, excessively expressed yeah. so maybe you know what I found literacy like you said the more words you have the more calmly you can deliver your message Definitely. so when I was younger I didn't have patience to sit there and thinking how can I express my views in a civilized way I just was like no you know and um, so words are powerful words are so powerful they're a tool language is a blessing Ni'mah. you know and i know that i speak much more calmly in english than i do because my vocabulary is limited my goal is to improve it mm-hmm. um so i can see myself have energy that i don't know how to voice yeah. uh, so words have helped it's yeah. not so much aggression as a negative or forceful or th- overpowering it's more a um Lack of being able to facilitate. Yeah, channeling the uh, emotions and yeah. energy and putting that into so words. So that helped now. Um, wrapping up here, uh, my dearest Dania, what advice would you give females in our country who uh, want to take the road of getting into motorcycles? Motorcycles specifically. I mean, it's a very personal thing. I would just give advice that if anybody was drawn to an activity, you know, and it made them feel... Uh, a sense of uh, joy or or achievement or confidence or whatever it is, something positive, to go for it if they are doing it for the right reasons. So, for example, with motorcycles, there's a lot of mm, not great reasons to get into it. You know, maybe somebody's a bit too daring. Maybe somebody wants to, I don't know, whatever mm-hmm. those reasons are. Yeah. Just have to check why you're doing something. If it's to improve, to progress, to grow, um, does it have a positive effect on you, on others? Uh, is it in line with your values, your principles? Then do it. If it's something that you're using as a tool that's not going to serve you, avoid it. 
And my advice is if you do discover something is in line with good intent and has a positive outcome, you do decide to do it. And the only thing really that would be in your way is a mental uh, construct, which is usually stemming from fear. So you can't eliminate fear, but you can recognize it and then choose to go ahead anyway. Yeah. After you've investigated whether this is a good reason for doing something, um, basically go for it if it's good for you. <laughs> Perfect advice. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking time out of Thanks, your day Muhammad. today. I, I really appreciate it. You're an inspiration. Your eloquence and articulous articulateness, um, and the way you just carry yourself is admirable. Um, I really love so, the honesty. Uh, thank you fun. so much. Thank you so for much. Coming on. And best of luck on the track. Stay off the road. Thank you. As much as you can, please. You know, we <laughs> love you. Promise. We we wanna we oh God can't promise. couldn't even lie to me there. I don't lie. You're too truthful. I love it. Uh thanks again for your time. Thank uh, you. All right. So we'll catch you soon, inshallah. inshallah. Thanks so much. Thanks. Checking out.